Hello again, Pastor Deborah for Godly Love. Love is here, ministries. And this is series two of mental health and the forever person. In the first series, which had seven episodes, we talked about a math, a new math, called one plus one plus one. This series, which is beginning uh, today, and I'll have many different episodes in it, is entitled The Three Realms. This is going to be a little introduction into these episodes that are coming. Oh my goodness, I got started a little bit early. <laughs> People are still finding their seats. Okay. Oh my goodness, got a lot of people here today from all over the world because the videos are starting to get known and some of my stories, they're incredible, are starting to be heard because they have been silent for many, many years. But this new series, of both the webcams and the podcast, Mental Health and the Forever Person. This new series, like I said, is entitled The Three Realms. In these episodes, which will be quite a few, we're going to dig a little deeper into ourselves. And the three realms that our mental health and our forever person live in. The first realm, which many of us are very aware of, is called the realm of the natural, the physical body, the temporary realm. The realm that we can see out here, when you look at people, that's what we see. So that's going to be the first realm. And I'm going to break it up into several episodes to go through it. And then talk about the professions that deal with mental health. Some of the history of mental health. And some of the different uh, terminology and definitions because it's very real vital for you in your learning to understand terms and definitions. Most of us don't know what this people are talking to us, the doctors or our therapists in the mental health world. They sort of know. Uh, not a lot of people have a lot of history of it. We're getting it in bits and pieces uh, all over. A lot of wonderful sayings on LinkedIn, a lot of posts. A lot of people are trying so hard to encourage us and give us words and give us some life skills and life coaching to help us. But it's hard when you only have so many nanoseconds on LinkedIn for a post. Or you go to your therapist or your psychiatrist or your primary care physician, and they're under a lot of time pressure, and they got to sort of move us in and move us out. So what we're going to talk about in the first set of episodes, that area of the three realms. The second realm will be the realm of your soul, which, as I have taught you before, has a conscious awareness part and a subconscious part. And we're going to talk about precepts and concepts and beliefs and thoughts and your mind and pictures and your five senses and how all of that is more intricately involved in your mental health. It should be pretty exciting if you've never studied it. Then the third realm is the realm of the spirit. It is the realm that the forever person lives in. Now, a lot of people know about it. I see them all the time in that realm. It's not a spooky realm. But some people make it very spooky. And it is very, it's very much with us here on planet Earth. It has good stuff and bad stuff in it. That is where our forever person lives. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about the forever person. And how he is related to and how he is affected by. And have the world, the realm of the natural, the physical body, and the soul affected. So that all three realms are involved in mental health. And they're all involved in the healing part of it. And so I wanted to just give you this introduction before I get started with episode one. So you'll be aware of what's coming. There'll be lots of different episodes. You know me, I like to talk a lot. And I have a lot of people listening and they're here with us now. 
And so I just wanted to let you know, welcome again to a new series of Mental Health and the Further Person, The Three Realms. It will be up on the webcam, on YouTube, on the website, www.gopyloveishere.org. It will be put on the podcast of Mental Health and the Forever Person, which you can get to from the website. And I will also podcast it on out, and uh, so you can listen to it wherever you are. And uh, so this is real vital because the world and all of humanity are dealing with the mental health and the forever person. Those two realms are connected. They are on planet Earth. And we have so many issues. And everybody, every nation, every organization, the UN, every loving faith-based person, every loving faith-based, every religion, everybody's trying to solve these problems. So I'm trying to come in and just give you some basic information that when you're out there and you're trying to get healed or find a proper uh, person to help you, that you'll have a little bit of information that you can ask some intelligent questions. You can research all this out. Love, it's on YouTube. It's out on the Internet, Wikipedia. So you become an informed person so you can know how to find the healing that you need and a little bit more about the mental health and the forever person. So this is the introduction to the new series of Mental Health and the Forever Person, the three realms. And they are, again, that's right, the natural realm, which includes the physical body, that is correct, and the mental, emotional realm, that is correct, that deals with the soul, its conscious, and its subconscious, and the realm of the spirit. Yay! That's right. So we're going to be going into those in more detail. I can't take you right there, jump you off and throw you into the deep end of the pool where I live most of the time because it takes a lot of work to get there. you got to learn to swim. you got to learn to bob your head under the water, hold your breath, uh, all kinds of things before you can get a lot of realizations of what's going on. But welcome. I hope to get this up today as quick as I can. I am multitasking. Tomorrow, I, and which is Saturday and Sunday, I will be in two days of training on suicide prevention and support group for the community. Uh, one of the people that's learning how to uh, help them, because it's suicide, it's in every place, it's ever, even in the jails and the prisons. We just heard about a big case about that one uh, right here in America. So, is suicide real? Yes. Is it happening to, to every na- in every nation and every culture? Yes. Is it happening to every profession, men, boy, children? Yes. I have known five-year-old kids tried to kill themselves. No, you don't. Put, they come out of heavy-duty abuse, they will. So, this is the introduction, the three rounds. I hope you enjoy it and hope you come back. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah. Look at the board, bank your notes, get you a new notebook or tablet or whatever it is, and make the notes. See you in a bit. Hello again. Pastor Deborah here. And we are in another episode of Mental Health and the Forever Person. This series is Series 2 of the Three Realms. I believe this is Episode 9. In this episode, we're going to talk about substance abuse, addictions, And how that is combined into mental health when somebody goes into a hospital, a psychiatric facility. This is a very big one all around the world. Because the human being, its biological body, becomes addicted, which means in bondage to, relies on and desires certain types of chemicals. We already have within our body dopamine, serotonin. We have pleasure chemicals. And what happens is when our biological system 
we'll say, with salt. And we like to taste our taste buds, taste salt. Our body gets used to it. Over time, our body becomes dependent on to stay sort of at a balanced chemical position needing salt. It could be with sugar. could be with anything. But what happens in mental health? It's some people seem to get in terrible bondage, addicted to both prescription medications, alcohol, illegal drugs, and many other substances. So when a person is having problem controlling anything that their eyes look at, that comes up their nose as aromas and fragrance, or their ears are hearing, or their hands want to touch, to get pleasure or to avoid pain of some kind. Then chemicals get released and the body starts saying, wow, that's good. How it works which a lot of people sort of know, is within our three realms, we have a biological body. It's made up of water, chemicals, nutrients from the earth. It is supposed to have a delicate balance in order to function properly. Then the second realm of the soul has a conscious awareness and a subconscious. I just wrote, and I'm putting together now a video on a blog I wrote about Mickey and how he was an apprentice to a sorcerer. It was a wonderful movie and book. And how he was feeling just like a slave, not valued, not appreciated. And he saw his master change a bat into a beautiful butterfly wearing a magic hat and saying the word mutantus. And little Mickey's deep, hidden, subconscious man or person saw the power. And he wanted that for himself because he believed if I had that, I wouldn't feel so bad. I wouldn't feel so sad. I would be appreciated. I would be happy. But in order to get there, Mickey had to steal the hat when the sorcerer wasn't looking. And boy, he had a big trouble. You'll have to look forward. I'm working on creating the video for it right now. It has two parts. Excellent, excellent. About stealing power and authority to make your hidden man feel better. So here's what usually happens. When we're little children, we feel sad, we get spanked, we get abused, we get trauma, toxic situation. We're hurting. We don't like it. And that deep subconscious wants to feel joy and peace and pleasure and happiness. And it only has the five senses and the biological body to work through. So it seeks out things, situations, people, food, smells, drugs, anything that will make it feel better. Bring some type of peace to it. Make it feel valued. Make it feel some kind of peacefulness because there's war all in here. There's trauma. There's unhappiness. So this hidden man, this hidden person of the subconscious, the second realm where we're at, he devises a plan. And he has the only thing he has to use is his physical body and his five senses. Now, that hidden man, that subconscious person, usually at the beginning when we're children has no idea 
that if you seek through your biological body, your five senses, things to make you happy, you could become addicted to it and can't live without it. And what started off good, maybe the first time, turns into some kind of bondage. Now you do it so you won't feel pain. A lot of us find uh, experience this uh, when we've had surgeries and we don't want to, our nerves have been cut and the things have happened we, and they give us pain medication. Well, our bodies get used to being so relaxed, so peaceful, not feeling any pain. And when that medication starts wearing off, the nerves start <laughs> shooting fire. It hurts. And most of us don't like any kind of pain. We don't like any kind of discomfort. We just want to be happy and joyful and peaceful and and feel loved. And we will seek our hidden man, the soul. We'll seek anything to feel better. Some people have very sensitive noses. A lot of your wine experts that take a, a cup of wine or glass, they smell the bouquet, they can sense the grapes, the different aromas goes up into their brain. Their nose senses are very, very sensitive. And they can tell a lot just by smelling the fragrance of the wine. Uh, the physical body does have smells. Uh, buzzards, I just saw some today eating a dead body. Uh, as a physical body decays, smells go up, up here, and the buzzards will smell that, and they know there's dead bodies down there. And their job is to come down and eat the body so it doesn't cause a lot of problems. But in substance abuse, they're trying to figure out, okay, we can put you in a hospital. We can detox you off pretty much anything. Now what? Now we're dealing with desires. We're dealing with habits, behaviors. We're dealing with turmoil on the inside. We have solved nothing. We can get your, the nicotine out of your system. We can get the drugs out. We can detox you. We can do it fast. We can do it slow. Now it's all gone out of the system. Now what happens? The system goes through a mess. Because it doesn't have anymore what it had been dependent on. And it's craving it. It's lusting it. It will cause our body to hurt if we do not go get it. The nerve endings are inflamed. We want them. And so we go and seek something to calm them down. All the while... The biological body, the first round, really doesn't know what it's doing to itself, what destruction is happening with brain cells, or what it's doing to the heart, or doing to the nerves. Even the hidden man of the soul does not know. All he knows, as in Mickey, when you read and watch the video, is, I want to feel valuable. I want to feel joy. I'm hurting from something. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. I'm not happy. My feelings, I want to feel good. And then I want peace. So the hidden man who doesn't have a lot of knowledge except what comes through the five senses start seeking things. Some people will become hoarders, gathering, gathering, collecting. Why? Trying to solve some internal problems inside. Trying to feel better, keep things uh, at bay, protect itself. All about feelings. Some people become shopaholics because going out and buying something that you don't have makes you feel happy. Some people become sex addicts because the sexual orgasm is very powerful. 
the nerves all over the body feel pleasure. Chemicals are released. And then the relaxation and the peace comes with orgasm. It's a powerful drug. Some people turn to food. It is a chemical. It is a drug. Changes your body chemistry. Whether it's sodium or sugar or if it's a carbohydrate or it's protein. Uh, there was a friend, a person I knew, had a daughter. Her husband dropped dead, about 42. She turned to food. She didn't, even though she didn't go to counseling, she didn't handle it, and she must have gained 300 pounds and had to end up having bypass surgery. She didn't handle the death of her husband, who was unexpected. She didn't do any work, didn't have any children. She turned to food. And it was only when her health became life-threatening that she realized she was out of shape. So what's happening? First, you turn to something to make you feel better. Some people turn to movies, music, alcohol, drugs. It doesn't matter. Any substance will do. As long as it first brings joy, does a chemical change in the body. So then the hidden man in the soul... Oh, that feels so good. And then it's gone. Sort of like hair when you take the first hit or a, a cocaine, okay? It's wonderful, but it doesn't last. So to get that again, you have to do it again. And then eventually, without you knowing it, what started off as pleasure and escape, now you are in serious bondage, held captive and in slavery. That if you do not do it, not only will the pain of whatever you're trying to medicate, it is still there. Now the biological body has added another layer to your pain. And it is now dependent on whatever you're using. I watched this CIS thing. I love it. And there was a, some kind of murder in Las Vegas. They ended up at something called an underwear bar. And the crime scene investigators, what would happen is they discovered there were people who were very sensitive with their nose. And they would purchase underwear from a young lady who her perfumes or whatever she ate and her chemicals in her body uh, released certain fragrances and aromas. And they would buy the underwear Snip the underwear like glue or anything else. And it, and the uh, chemicals would go from the fragrance of the body and whatever food she ate or something goes into the brain and caused a high. And they would get addicted to that through, through smells. Some of us are trying to solve our problems with aromatherapy. If you want to feel peaceful, breathe in this. Okay, what's happening? We're trying to get into the biological brain, calm some stuff down, bring some peace to it, change some chemistry up here. Because something is going on in the biological body. But the foundation of that is in the soul. The deep, hidden, conscious part of us that Freud said is there. It's hurt. It's wounded. It's sad. It's lonely. It's frightened. It's angry. It's jealous. Nikki's case, uh, in the story, he was still a young guy. He was a servant. He was carrying water, sweeping. But he didn't like that. He felt devalued. He didn't feel like he was equal to his master, who's much older. He didn't feel like, I have any power. I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. I don't like that. I want what he has. He had some power. He said some words. Mutantas. And a bat changed to a beautiful butterfly. So this hidden person in Mickey wanted to feel like the greatest sorcerer in the universe. He wanted power. And the only way he could get those feelings within himself was to steal 
the head of magic and change something. He changed a broom. It got real bad. He didn't. So he was trying to satisfy his deeply hidden man, his person, his soul, to feel better. And what was he willing to do? Steal something that belonged to somebody else. With no training, no education, not having permission. Because he had dreams of grandeur. Pride was there. I want to be. I don't like being where I'm at. I don't think it's a valuable place. So all the feelings that produced and the ground that produced Mickey's crime and the trouble that was to come came from his soul, the hidden man. And he got in a big mess. Great story about the door opening up between the two realms in a big, big mess. And uh, I've always been able to read any kind of book, fairy tale, story, fable, and see the spiritually hidden messages behind it. But in mental health, when you go in there first, they're trying to find out, do you have some what they call addictions, substance abuse, things that you might be in bondage to biologically. Because they know that certain drugs, certain food, like if you eat too much, you're going to change your chemistry. You're going to put on weight. You might get other high blood pressure, cholesterol, heart problems, diabetes from the food. And what happens? What started off as good to make the hidden person feel better became bondage. Slavery, a condition that now includes just the biological body and the deeply subconscious. So now you have two major areas that must be helped. Because like I said, we can put you in the hospital, we can detox you off every chemical that's there. But that does not change your desires, your lust your eyes, your habits, why you started it in the first place. Most drugs and alcohol, everything is are the hidden man's of the soul self-medication for some pain, for some anger. In Mickey's case, he was jealous. He was angry for just being a young student. He felt just like a slave, a nobody. I don't have, not in power. Now he's a young kid. And that just stewed away in him. He was jealous and angry. He didn't feel like he was respected. He was just always carrying water and sweeping the floor. He saw no value in that. He didn't know that he was being trained and tutored and had to grow up. No, he wanted it now. This was his deep hidden, the second round, the soul that was thinking this. Plotting. Pride was growing. The soil was right. Everything was getting in place. The attitudes, the feelings, the desires, the lust. His eyes saw a bat changed by his... saw the hat working, saw the power. He said, if I could just have that, I will make myself feel happy. So all substance abuse... It's self-medication. Now, here's another great movie that really helped you to see how it can be used for control mechanisms, which it is. It will eventually control you and your thoughts and your biological body. In the movie Taken with Liam Neeson, when, he, when his young daughter was taken and he goes to find her in France, Paris, I think, he gets into this work site and he discovers this brothel and he gets in there and he sees all these young girls drugged up. In order for them to be compliant, to be just a sex machine, so the people that have kidnapped them 
can pay money for this. And the girls not to fight back, resist, try to... They kept them drugged up. So drugs can be used to control. If you study gangs and how they hook in young people. Okay? I'll give it to you free. And then you like it and then you start having to pay for it. And if you can't pay for it, then you're going to work for him. Okay, so it can be used that they know the biological body. So drugs, substance abuse. What happens to us biologically when those drugs come? What happens to our conscious awareness? Does it go into a sleep? Do we zone out? Do we trance out? What biologically and chemically is happening up here when we do drugs, alcohol, we zone out. We do marijuana. We go into what they call a stupor marijuana. Or we do opioids and we just heroin and it's the greatest high, but we're so... <gasps> What's going on up here? What chemicals? They usually know what chemicals are being released. Opium, been around from state one. Wine, alcohol. It's all been around. What happens biologically up here? If you do that long enough, the biological body becomes, it becomes, it. I must have it now. If not, I'm going to fight you. My nerve endings is going to come out of pain. I don't like pain. Okay, so the forever person may start off with and then get in bondage to and can't quit. And in most substance abuse in the DSM, they're going to look and see what you're addicted to. Right now, all around the world, it's opioids. Of course, there's always been heroin. Opium, always been around. Way, way back, it's always been there. Uh, any kind of prescription drugs, alcohol, wine. Okay, so it's not anything new to humanity. And probably has some good medicinal purposes, which a lot of people know. If you pour alcohol on a cut, it kills and disinfects the germs. Nicotine probably has got a medicinal thing. Maybe we haven't discovered it yet. But the body, the physical body, is a wonderful machine, and it gets addicted to it. And then it has to have it at all costs. And then you get into physical problems. And all the recovery programs, they can get you off. They can clear the system. Now they're going to deal with the hidden man, the hidden person. His feelings, just like Mickey. His attitudes, his toxic childhood, his trauma, his pain, his, his feelings, his culture. What? Study opium in China. Okay? Study early. Even tea has caffeine in it. It's a drug. Food is a drug. All the plants are drugs. Our bodies need this. But you can get out of control. Why would that happen? Do most drug addicts or substance abuse people intend to become addicted? No. They just want to feel good. And have some peace. Because something's missing in this hidden man. So in mental health and the forever person, your psychiatrist, your medical doctors, your counselors are going to be looking into your life. I had this one lady. And uh, her father that I knew, she was a teacher. Her father had been an alcoholic. And she made a vow. She would never drink. And she didn't. But her bondage... Our captivity and slavery went in a different direction. She couldn't stop using her credit card. She got married. Husband be away in the military. She'd spy, buy, buy on television. And she couldn't stop. So bondage is not only alcohol and drugs. It can be to 
situations, anything where you cannot set it down. A lot of people now are talking about having addictions to their phones, even on LinkedIn, social media. Addiction. Because they are craving. They're, that inner deep human soul of theirs is craving affection. I want to be liked. I want people to know that I'm alive and what I'm doing. I want my pictures out there. I want people commenting on it. Then they are now studying that the lights from your computer, the games on the computer, are doing things coming in through the eyes and the sounds are set to produce inside the brain addiction. So you want to keep playing it. Why? You get in bondage. And if you are in bondage to anything or anybody, you're not free. They control you through your feelings, your deeply hidden man. It needs to be liked, to be loved. They talk a lot about that on social media. And they had a great thing. I saw Anderson Cooper did an experiment and he about putting his phone down and how he would feel afraid and agitated. He needed to look at it and see if he got a text or an email or if somebody was calling him or something. And I said, you're addicted. You can't leave it alone. So some of us, it doesn't matter what it is. Something goes on in our biological system through the eye gate, through the ears. Food comes in through the tongue. But also food is the first thing that looks is your eyes. And something happens up here biologically, chemical, electrical. Okay? But it's also connected to that second round, the soul. To its feelings, its emptiness, its desires, its lust. It's wanting to be liked. It's wanting to be known. It's wanting to get a whole bunch of likes. Why aren't they doing that one-on-one? Isn't that enough? So culture plays into it. We are creatures of a biological nature. We are also creatures, beings of the soul, of emotions and desires and feelings. Those two connect. So when you get in the mental health system, the therapist, the psychiatrist is going to be looking. Do you have some areas, one that is physically causing you problems, illegal drugs, substances, some people... Now, they sniff glue, perfumes. There's all kinds of coming up through the nose, changing the biological stuff. Food. Because it's doing damage to the body. And they have to stop that. Then they have to deal with that part of you, the biological part, and the soul who are working together. So in substance abuse, a lot of people are trying to figure out how do we solve this? Do we do support groups, individuals, uh, treatment facilities? We get the people off. They seem to be doing good. They get back home. Stress comes. Life comes. They fall again. We have the AAs, the NAs, the CAs, all the A's. They actually end up getting into, through the 12 steps, getting some more help in there besides a therapist, like a a higher power. Because they're saying, look, I'm trying everything I know to do. The psychiatrist is trying, the medical community, the therapist, the support groups. But I need something else that is really more powerful than me and what I can do and what they can do. I need a higher power involved in my life. And I need... It working with me, and I need to be working with it, and I need to be doing some deep soul work with it, and a lot of concepts and ideas and thoughts and feelings need some healing 
I need to forgive some people. I need some new concepts, new ideas. I need to let go of some hurtful, painful things. And this higher power, which has a proven track record in substance abuse recovery programs, works. Peer support people, people who have gone ahead of you and found the answers. Mental health therapists usually refer you to those programs. And you leave the programs and all you got left is a support group, your mentors, your life coaches. And for maybe the rest of your life, you need to be involved in that. A lot of healing maybe has to happen. And then you get challenged with life and the drugs and situations and the opportunity to get addicted again, get hurt again, are going to be there. And that's why a lot of these support groups, peer support groups, work. But they know we can't do this alone. We need a psychiatrist. We need a primary care doctor. We need a caseworker, a social worker. We need a therapist. We need all that. And we need this higher power to help us. Because this is beyond everybody. And we're dealing with things that are so deep, so complex, that only this higher power can help. And they've proven that sometimes people have to forgive. Well, what is forgiveness? we got some pain in there. And we're going deep. And, well, you're not going to get that in a a 90-day recovery program. Some people take many years to deal with this. And you need to be connected to groups that can support you. And so there are many wonderful stories out there. The One of the best movies to watch, to how to see it, was The Days of Wine and Roses with Jack Lemon and Lee Remick. And how they became alcoholics. And how then they, one of them, uh, Jack Lemon, went through and finally got a handle on it. But his wife didn't. And it's a sad story, but it shows you the devastation that just alcohol had to two business people working with a family. Then what happens, there's plenty of stories about people who are in gangs and the heroin and the opioids. And uh, now, you know, what happens is our biological body is a sensitive machine. And drugs, as we know, coming out of whether it's Mexico, the drug cartels, drugs equal money. And people want to feel good. And they don't want to feel any pain. They don't want it hard. They don't want to deal with anything. They don't want to do anything but take a pill or a glass or smoke something and be fine. And then they don't realize how they get addicted to it. And all the chemicals that are in it that the body has to deal with, they don't know. They're just trying to solve some subconscious hidden man feelings. So substance abuse is another one in the DSM that a mental health counselor is going to be asking you questions about. And he might, they might start off with substance abuse, uh, prescription pills, food. You can look at somebody's body and tell if they're overeating. You can also get addicted to exercise because endorphins get released and you love it. And you will work out and destroy your body to have the endorphins. So endorphins, the pleasure thing, the adrenaline, it's all chemical hormones going on. And then there's people that use drugs and all of this system just to get money. And they don't care about you. The taking shows that we don't care about the girls. We can go get plenty of them. But keep them drugged up so they can just be sex slaves. Okay? So it's, it's used in not good ways. 
But it is an area that the mental health world and the psychiatrist and them are looking at, a lot of rehab programs, because you could drink alcohol, it is legal, and you can have everybody's body uh, receives it a different way. And we're told don't drink and drive because things happen to your conscious awareness that you could kill somebody, but that doesn't seem to stop people. And they won't even stop texting, and they'll have a car wreck. So it becomes, instead of something good, beneficial to us, it has turned to evil and harmful not only to us biologically and emotionally, but maybe it kills somebody else, it destroys the family, it beats up on kids. How many of you studied the prohibition of alcohol back in the 1920s? What had happened was some Christian ladies were having, their husbands were working, and they would go to the bars and spend all the money, not have any money for the family. They'd come home and be abusive to the wife and the children. And they, only thing they knew to do, I think they were called the temperance movement, was to ban the sale and make alcohol, selling of alcohol, illegal. So they passed it. They did a lot of lobbying, and they passed the bill, and it became the Prohibition Bill. And they thought that would solve their problems and their family. Financially, there would be no more abuse or domestic violence or rapes. The husband wouldn't go to the bars and spend all the money. So they were trying to solve family problems and society's problems by making alcohol illegal. But what happened was you can't take a hidden man. He don't follow the laws of a government. He follows his own laws. So what they did, they formed private clubs and you bring your own bottle. Or they would drink it out of teacups. So if they got raided, they were not selling alcohol. And then one of, a lot of the uh, families, and I'll use the one, the Kennedys out of Massachusetts, uh, Kennedy Sr. actually became a multimillionaire running illegal rum out of Canada, bringing it down. The FBI, you know, Al Capone and uh, Elliot Ness, they were all involved because out of Canada, they were making rum, and they were illegally bringing it into America and storing it and then selling it in tea houses, and they got rich. The Kennedys got rich on illegal activity that was against the law, and yet America looks at the Kennedys as a royal dynasty. They are very rich. They got founded by their father who broke the law, was criminal. But these ladies in this Christian temperance movement, they had problems in the families. Society had problems. We had Salvation Army down in the boroughs, down on the street, because we had drunks everywhere. So they figured if they made it alcohol illegal, people would stop drinking. And that was, they, they sort of had it, and they passed the law, but then later on they, they did away with it because that just wasn't going to work. Because until you change the heart, the forever person, and he rises up and tells that hidden man, that hidden person, the soul, no, we're going to live by a different set of rules. We're not going to seek peace that way, happiness. We're going to do it a different way. But that, if you study the prohibition and all that went on, okay, and the gangs and all of that stuff, it got started by some wonderful Christian ladies trying to solve some family domestic violence, child abuse, uh, people laid out in the streets. Uh, I know the Salvation Army got, you know, they got started over in Europe, I think in England. It was a big mess. But you weren't going to stop the people from drinking. They just form bottle clubs. You bring your own. And then you got the Kennedys and other families from up there in the New England going up into Canada 
illegally bringing it down. Then you had the gangs and stuff. Some great documentaries on that. If you go on the History Channel, you'll learn about that and how these people made their fortunes. Then when the law got overturned, okay, they got into politics. So it's very interesting. Elliot Ness and how they did this and they would go and there's a great movie. Uh, what's this? About um, Elliot Ness. I can't remember. The Untouchables. Excellent movie and it shows you during that time. So you can see it's not anything new. People want to drink. They love how it feels. They love the drugs. Their biological body loves it. And their hidden man down here is seeking those highs and that good and that peace and that joy. And then we get into problems. And you can use gambling. Trying to win the lottery. The one-armed bandit out in Las Vegas. And you can have lust so bad of the eyes you just want to look at pornography. Little children, sex, this right here. Looking becomes you become addicted to it. You get a high. You get endorphins going. Just look in your eyes. Okay, whether it's little children, sex acts, Playboy. Hey, Hugh Hefner, he he made it so that sex and looking. At beautiful things, there was nothing wrong with it. He was encouraging the lust of the eyes. Those things appear. Okay? All kinds of stuff. Five senses at work. Biological body at work. And what starts off, it becomes destructive. A lot of bad things happen. You get addicted. Now you have an addiction to something. So I wanted to bring this part of the three realms, I think this is nine, into the mental health and the forever person. So you can have a little better understanding. Go watch the movies and get a little deeper understanding about substance abuse. There's some also great ones out there. Uh, you know, how you can be addicted to sex, sex addict. Okay, whether it's masturbation or with somebody else, you can be addicted through your eyes. You can be addicted through your nose, okay, chemicals through your nose, addicted through lights on your uh, cell phone. You, you can be addicted to, I want to be liked. I want to have a lot of likes. I want a lot of good things, smiley faces, because I don't feel right. I'm trying to solve some problems in me. I don't feel loved or liked. So you can get addicted to your, and they're talking about it now, addicted to social media. You can be addicted to Cokes that has sugar, food, okay, any food. You can be addicted to anything that does a chemical change, exercise, I told you. It'll do it. You get addicted. This, as long as something brings pleasure, changes the chemicals. The body has endorphins going. And then what happens? You move into, well, I'm going to do this whether the law says I'm not to do it or not. Okay, I'm not supposed to drink and drive, but I don't care because I'm going to do what I want to do. The law says it's illegal to drink uh, in the 20s. I don't care. I want it. I'm going to break the law. So you become a criminal, just like Mickey. You steal, you do criminal activities, and you don't care about anybody but yourself. You'll break the law. You might even kill somebody. I don't care if that's your property, your car. I want something. I will break into it, and if I have to kill you to get it, because it's all about me. And how I feel. And what I want. And I'm more important than you. And how I feel is more important. And I, and I want to feel better and loved and liked and happy. And if I have to do whatever I need to do. To get there. I will do it. That is the power of that hidden man. That soul. And he'll use anybody, 
anything. A lot of people say people who are into vampirism, vampire drinking blood, they get addicted to the blood, the iron in it. You get addicted to scary movies. The sound, you can get addicted to fear. You can get addicted to being in social clubs, getting being a, a speaker, a keynote speaker. You can get addicted to wanting to be having your book on the New York Times bestseller. You can get addicted to money. doesn't matter. You can get addicted. You can collect things, hoard, keep collecting, 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 and never get rid of it. doesn't matter. You're going after something. You're trying to make yourself feel better. You're changing chemicals up here. So these two systems, the biological body in realm one, and the conscious awareness and the subconscious in the second realm are working together. So that's sort of a substance abuse overview. And in the DSM, if you're addicted to certain substances or things, they have those numbers I told you about. that They tell the insurance companies or other doctors whether it's cigarettes, uh, opioids, cocaine, marijuana, it doesn't matter. They all have little numbers, and they talk to each other. But they're looking for that because they know it's destructive to the biological body. And whenever I tell people when I go into Lakeview that if you start doing marijuana or some drugs when you're a little kid, and you do it for 10, 15 years, and then you stop, you emotionally... Your subconscious guy does not grow and develop. So you get off of it and you get help. Now I'm dealing with a a 10-year-old in a 45-year-old body. He doesn't have any social skills. Doesn't know how to communicate, solve problems. Because he has zoned out on the drugs or alcohol, whatever. For so long, there was no development in his brain. Cognitive, he learned nothing. Just zoned out. Okay, that's what they do. So then you have to deal with a 10-year-old in a 45-year-old body. But he's married and got kids. But he don't know how to be an adult because he's still a 10-year-old, socially, cognitive, and all that. So that's sort of what happens once you get them off the drugs, you're dealing with children. And they haven't learned a lot of the social skills. And they haven't learned how to deal with their pain and their fears and their crisis. They don't know how to forgive. They don't know how to deal with their stress. They don't know how to go through a stressful situation. Because they don't want to. They want to do their drugs and zone out. And sort of go to sleep. And then if it gets to the point, a lot of people go, I'm just going to bed. I'm so depressed. Okay. So substance abuse is self-medication. I'm trying to solve a problem of my soul, my hidden man, all of its feelings. I'm trying to solve something in here. There's a war. There's something. There's pain. And i got to use my physical body and my senses. Now, some people say that there's genetics involved. Could be. So, they've got to look. Because the drugs or whatever, the substance of spending... It will cost you a lot of damage biologically, emotionally, financially. You turn to crime sometimes. You kill other people. Okay, it ain't pretty. So that's sort of substance abuse, just in a general viewpoint. Watch the movies and come back again. This was episode 9 of Mental Health and the Forever Person. The Three Realms, Series 2. You can see all the others uh, up on the website of www.godbelovedishere.org. Uh, you can also get it through the podcasting uh, stations. Uh, you can look at it on the website, also in the video library, and under Mental Health and the Forever Person section. So enjoy. Go study. 
ask people questions, become informed, so you can sit with your psychiatrist, your therapist, your primary care physician when you go into recovery. You can ask people questions, and then you can learn, why are they asking me all these questions? I'm not doing the drugs anymore. Why do they keep asking personal questions? And what is going on? So you'll be informed. So enjoy and learn. And I am going to sit down now. I'm tired. It's a long day. Love, Pastor Deborah. Mental health and the forever person. The three realms. Episode 9, Series 2. I'll leave the board up for you.